This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. is Sky Blues Extra. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sky Blues Extra podcast with me, David Moore, and I'm joined as usually by Andrew Greasley and a very special guest, David Boost. David started his career at non-league Moore Green before moving to the Sky Blues in 1992. He made over 56 appearances for the club and scored five goals for a terrible injury at Old Trafford in 1996, brought time on his career. Since retiring from football, though, David has been heavily involved in the Football in the Community programme for the club, and he is now the director. Evening, David, and, and thanks for sharing your Skyview story with our listeners. Evening, guys. And, and David, like I mentioned, first of all, I just really want to start off with where your career began. Um, but sort of tell us a bit about your sort of upbringing and football in your family. Was, was there a team that you supported as, as a child? Um, I was always um, a Leeds United fan for, for some reason. Uh, born in the sort of uh, in '67, I imagine Leeds United were, were top of the league at the time. So I was your uh, you know your glory hunter of you know, supporting the team that's at the top of the league and winning every week. So uh, I'm not a Leeds United supporter anymore and haven't been for you know a many number of years, probably up until when I left school. But um, my early years, I was always had a, uh, an Alan Clark. Um, football kit, all white, had the smiley face on it, and uh, and I went up to Ellen Road a couple of times. And uh, but I, I, the only team I sort of support now is is, is Coventry, and you know, sort of my, sure. my bio is you know is adopted Coventry City fan since '92. So um, you know, they're, they're all Villa fans in in my household, and my dad was a steward at uh, in the North Stand when that opened, and uh, oh, I was ma- I was made to have a a season ticket. Um, at the villa because I had to go with my dad and my brother but 
I wasn't I wasn't a, a fan, but um, I'm not a great watcher of football if, if I'm honest. Yeah. And was there anyone that you sort of modelled yourself on when you sort of first started playing football? Anyone that was like heroes that you sort of looked up to, watched on the TV? Um, well, it was. It's not. It's not on every night like it is these days. I mean, uh, you know, in the early seventies, um, I remember. I can't remember if it was Star Soccer or you know the Big Match or yeah. Uh, well, I'd, I'd rather be outside. You know, when I was young, I'd rather be outside playing than than, than watching football. I'm more yeah. of a highlights person. Um, and that, that follows through through now. You know, if the game is not exciting me or you know it's a little bit boring, I tend to switch off and then just you know watch the highlights later on. So uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd much rather be outside kicking the ball rather than inside watching football. And you started your career at non-league uh, More Green. How did you get involved with More Green, uh, Boosty? I well, it was before then. So, so my, my my footballing career, and I won't go back too too, too hmm. far. Um, but I initially played uh, my junior football for um, a team called Dunlop Terriers, and back then they were associated to Aston Villa. Okay. Again, no, nothing to do with me supporting them or anything like that. Mm. Um, they just It was a way of them getting around being able to have players. So they ran their own Sunday side, basically, under the guise of Dunlop Terriers, and mm. basically those players fed into uh, Aston Villa because our manager was like a scout for them. Um, so. It was at the age of 16, nine of the team that I played in got took on as apprentices at their clubs. I was one of about four or five that just didn't. So, I was, you know, I was, I was playing centre forward then, left wing, yeah. I'd moved to sort of sweep a little bit. But I was very small at, at 16. I was, I was mm. you know, I want to say I was probably only about five foot. So, my start into football at 16 was one of sort of disappointment. Where do I go, go to now? Um, I started playing works football in the Birmingham works. And, and this is what really, I think really formed me as a, as a player, because I went playing into adults football when I was just 16. And mm. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a June birthday. So, um, I was playing divisions seven of the works league, um, against full grown adults. And, and it really sort of, you know, physically got me, got me ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was sort of 18, um, my dad said, right, that's enough now. You need to, to go and move on. And I went to a team called um, King's Heath. A um, mm. friend, friend of mine played for them. I went and had a trial. I uh, was playing in their reserves for a bit and then made it into the first team. Um, and then we, we happened to play um, more green in the Birmingham Senior Cup, which uh, yeah. Coventry, uh, Coventry take part in, in that, mm. actually. They do. Um, and we played at our place and we, we drew nil-nil and then we turned match at, uh, at Moore Green and the manager, Bob Faulkner, sadly he's not with us now, but he ended up being one of the, you know, over 25 years as manager of Moore Green and uh, in the non-league scene, everybody used to know who Bob was. Um, he, he got me to sign mm. and it, it, it took quite a while for me to go there because it was the typical thing where I'm playing with my mates, enjoying it. I don't want to go. Yeah. The managers were saying, oh, we need you. I was, I was really enjoying my football. And my dad was on holiday. My dad's probably the biggest, he's the biggest influence on my career, uh, without a shadow of doubt. Um, and he was on holiday, so I was able to hide the fact from him that I was more green and come in through me, who were like two two leagues higher. They were in the Beezer, Beezer Midland League then, and uh, I think it was Midland Com, Kings East were playing. And uh, as soon as he came back, so three, t- two times I'd said to Bob, oh yeah, I'm going to come and sign, and didn't. My um, dad came back early from holiday on a Friday night, went, took me by the scruff of the neck down to Moor Green, signed on the Friday night, 
had, I think it was four or five pints with um, Bob in the bar at Moor Green. And, uh, and then played, made my debut the next day against Kingsley. And we won 3-2. Um, and then that was, that was the start of my sort of serious football, as, as they say. And what was non-league like back in the 90s? Um, obviously, you said earlier just a minute ago that you played when you were a younger kid against older kids. Did that hold you in good stead, do you think? Yeah, it, it wasn't so much young against old. You know, obviously at 16, I was playing mm. against adult, adult football. Yeah. It was that physical side of it, which it's sort of... Um, you see, see, a lot of players now who go through academies, for example, um, and, you know, playing in youth teams and things like that, they're playing against their own age groups, you know, up yeah. until probably, you know, 2021, unless they've broken. And the biggest thing, and this was evident when I was managing... Uh, I know we're talking about when I was managers. I, I I didn't really want the young kids from football clubs because I knew that I knew technically they were better players, but physically they just weren't used to. You know, they're used to playing on great surfaces and not only going about playing on bobbly pitches and yeah. dealing with the physical side of it. So um, I just felt that grounding I had at sixteen and playing because I was I didn't sign for Coventry until I was twenty four. Mm-hmm. So I had eight years of playing various levels of non league, which you know gave me a you know, an appetite and, um, and you know, I'll tell you what I've never been. I've never been consistently the best player in any team and that's not mm. me being conceited or big-headed or anything like that. But I always moved on to a new club when I was still, you know, developing. So mm. when I went from Kingsley, if I wasn't, I'd gone switch to centre-half then, I was still learning the game. When I went to Moor Green, I didn't get inside straight away. First season, I played 19 games. It wasn't until the year afterwards when we got promoted, that I you know played a lot more games and had that. When I went to Coventry again, I'd had four seasons at uh, Moor Green and Coventry signed me. Again, I was still you know there was still room for to develop me, and again it took a couple of you know years to to get anywhere near the first team at Coventry as well. Yeah, I was going to say about that because it's a, a pretty significant step up, isn't it? The um, when you signed for Coventry in 1992 um, and. How did you sort of hear about the move when it first happened and sort of how did it come about? And, you know, it must have been a very exciting time for you. Yeah, it goes back a few months before then, um, really. Um, we had Barry Powell, um, who you'll, you'll remember, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, he, was, he was playing the latter years of his, of his career at Moor Green. Um, he came in for like the last year and there was a, a chief scout called uh, John Bettles and he's not with us anymore. And... Barry had said to him, who's a you know good non-league, he took a lot of non-league players into and into Coventry. So Sean Flynn, Andy Pierce, yeah, um, they all came you know via via John. He knew he's non-league, and um, and so that was a good connection there. And he got Terry Butcher, who was the manager, yeah. to come and watch watch me play. Uh, we played Starbridge away on a night game. Uh, we won two one. Um, happened to score in that, that that game, but I didn't I didn't particularly feel that I had I had a, a great game. Um, and then I got invited for a trial um, later on in the November. Had that trial, uh, spent a week um, down at Wrighton. Yeah. Uh, and then we played a couple of reserve games. We played home. I can't remember who we played actually. We played played at home. But in the home game at Highfield Road, I broke my toe. Um, right. I, I kicked the bottom of Martin Booty's um, studs. We both called. I called Booty. He thought I was calling Booty. Um, and I. Kicked his foot and I broke my toe. Uh, the reason I'm saying that is that when we played the next game, we went up to yeah. Old Trafford, uh, which was about a week, week or so later, um, and I had the decision to make: what do I 
do a play because I might not get another chance. And it was just, you know, I got it padded up and, you know, told the physio that I'd, I'd hurt the nail. I didn't tell him I'd broke it, but I knew I'd broke it. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, I, and I played the game against, um, it was, I always remember it because it was Lee Sharks um, return from his knee injury. We right. were playing at Old Trafford. There was 15,000 Man United fans had turned up and there was nine internationals in their reserve side. Wow. So, uh, but then again, and uh, I, I'd have to check back on the books, but at some stage I, I played against Mark Robbins and I can't remember when it was in those early days then or, yeah. you know, a, a, bit, a bit towards the end, but I certainly played against Mark in, 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 in reserves. Um, so I played the game. Um, we, I think we drew 1-1. Uh, there Sean Flynn scored, um, scored a great goal there. And then I didn't really hear anything until um, about December time, uh, a month later. Um, uh, Terry said, look, we want to offer you a contract. The club didn't have a lot of money then. and they sure. were, I, was, I wasn't on contract, so they, they weren't obligated to uh, pay money for me. Um, and it was, so it was, the, 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 the conversation went along, we're trying to sort it out a deal with the club. And you know, I was reminded, I was saying, look, I'm not on contract, so you, <laughs> you can have me for nothing, I'll come. I'll yeah. come straight away. You haven't, we haven't got to do anything like that, you know. Um, but I, I, I had great times at Morgan, one of the best clubs. And in the end, uh, Terry got the. So he said, I want you to come in for a con, uh, talk about a contract. So me and my dad were getting ready to come in, and John Bettles had rang me to say, Look, they want you in at Wrighton. So I thought, Oh, great, this is it. Handed my notice in, well, it, at, at that, because they said they wanted to sign me, I sort of gave my a week's notice because I knew sure. I'd have to serve that. Yeah. Um, and then during that week of the notice, Terry got the sack, and I thought, oh, God, didn't hear anything. I thought, that's the end of this, you know, and, 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 and this is where John was great because he, he kept in touch with us and he said, look, Don Howe was, was privy to all the, the trials, the games, uh, right. everything like that, and, you know, they still want to sign you. So um, I went in about a few days later. Um, I, think I think it was something like they said they'd given £5,000. Depending on appearances and things like sure. that, and then it was it was done and dusted, and I signed a, a two and a half year contract. Um, and actually, my contract was actually for a little bit less than what I was earning through working and playing for more greed. <laughs> really? um, yeah, but I just wanted to get, I wanted to have a crack at it. I'd always wanted to you know be a professional footballer like everyone sure. does. Yeah, of course. and I wasn't going to let the fact of you know you know money stop me having that having that dream. So uh, yeah, we promptly signed. I think it was January. I think it was January the thirteenth was when it all officially went through and everything. Unlucky for some, obviously not for yourself. <laughs> yeah. With um, with your first season, was it hard to adapt to the different level of football? Or it, the biggest thing for me was fitness. So even sure. though, so, so at that time playing for More Green, I, I was playing Sunday football as well with my mates. So I was playing, yeah. even though I was playing twice a week, probably three times a week with midweek games. And then training on a Thursday, it was nothing yeah. like going in full time, you know. And um, it, it just—it was just getting used to that. I was just just so 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 tired. I had to, you know, I had to change the way I I, I, I ate, and um, you know, it just, it just took me a good six months playing reserved football and and having a good pre-season because obviously it was January, and then um, we I had a, a first full season in, in you know six months later, so yeah. um, you know it, it was a mixed mixed start. You know I'll never forget Don Let uh, Don um, Don Howe in one of the games calling me a big wet lettuce. I think that was the last game of our reserve, <laughs> the last reserve match of the season. Um, I think the club had just stayed up. I remember me and Pete Billing were playing at the back, and uh, he just 
you know, really laid into us and said, you are, you better come back. You know, this is to everyone, not just me. And then yeah. I thought, right, I've, I've got to have a proper pre-season down me and then, and then see if it's my football that's not good enough. And what was uh, Bobby Gould like as a manager and how did he help you development boosting? Um, Bobby, obviously, I've got a lot. I've got a lot of time for Bob. He gave me my debut mm. um, sort of twelve months after um, I'd signed for Coventry. Um, Bob, Bob's wanted his. It was like the, the you know coming from Wimbledon. He coming to us. He was. He, he liked that long game. He played to the strength of the players. You know, he knew yeah. that we had a certain way we'd play. Um, you know, he made Robert Robert's area go from sort of centre forward to centre mm. midfield. He wanted that physical presence in there. You know, and that's and that's what he wanted. He wanted a fit, fit team, um, and it was just finding out how what made me tick and um, and whether I fitted in with, with with his plans. I mean, that that first period where we where I came into the the team, we had a really good spell. Uh, I remember mm. myself and Terry Fleming, um, who'd come from the reserves as well, a young lad, um, had played sort of the same sort of games, and I think I played twelve twelve games. It was towards the end of that. Um, next season, and we wouldn't most of the games. Well, I'd like to think we wouldn't most of the games, but I certainly remember, you know, going to Blackburn and beating them five two up there, and mm. um, you know, playing Chelsea and uh, you know, you know, drawing with Arsenal, I think it was, and you know, so we just, you know, we did quite, we did quite well while I was there, but I was very much either on the bench or you know, I started a few games and I was on the bench for the others. Yeah, and was he? We had Terry Gibson on the podcast a few months ago now, and he said he was quite a hard taskmaster. Was he? Was that the case with you? He, he is. Yeah, he wanted. Um, I think in, after that first season, I sort of thought, "Oh, yeah, I've made it now. I've, I've been in the first team." And then you know, Bob mm. would certainly bring you back down to to earth and go, "Well, actually, you 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 know, you might have made your debut, but you've got to go to this level." Yeah. Um, you know, and at the, at the time, you know, I, I sort of resented it a little bit. You know, I was thinking, you know, you don't know me. I, I'm, I might not be the most talented player, but I'll give you exactly what you you want. It's you know, hundred mm. percent. You'll never have to worry about me working. You know, if it's my football ability that's going to let you down, then I can't do anything about that. But my work rate and and to throw myself and put your body on the line would, would would never be questioned. I didn't want anyone questioning that ever because my Attitude, application, and determination was was there to be seen. It might have just been the fact that we I was a non-league player and mm. coming in at twenty-four, you know, might not have had that understanding. But so yeah. it was, you know, you know, we did, we didn't have any big fallouts and that, and you know, the, the, I think uh, Bob wasn't in, in in charge of the team for that long afterwards. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, he sort of left the club, and you know, you know, Phil Neal came in. So uh, you know, it was, I've got mixed times. I, I, I loved my time with Bob. He was, I loved the, how energised by the football he was I loved the way he was he, he, he felt every minute you know as yeah. if he was playing himself and one of the embarrassing parts he did that because we I, I don't know what it was the reserves or whoever it was but he decided that him and Phil Neal because Phil Neal was number two would play in a reserve game which was a bit of an injustice to whoever we were playing against because you know Bob thinking he could still play and, and, and don't get me wrong <laughs> Phil Neal could still knock a hell of a ball but you know yeah. their age they shouldn't have been doing that and it was just a little bit Embarrassing the fact that we and Harry Roberts played as well, so we had the three coaches, you know, <laughs> manager, assistant, and the youth team coach, were all uh, playing in the team, and it just, you know, I don't know, <laughs> it just didn't seem right. We couldn't do anything. We couldn't. It was a, it was a no-win situation for us, yeah. you know, with them guys. And uh, but I did, I did. I mean, you know, I, I, I see Bob now, and um, I've 
you know, we have we have good chats. Uh, I, I I enjoy what what he did for me. Um, mm. Not a kick up the backside because I don't even need any kick up the backside, but just different managers have different styles, and it depends on um, you know if you're in that initial first in sort of twelve thirteen players, which are, are, will be in week in week out. Then you can do no no wrong. If you're on the periphery of just blending in, then you're sometimes you're the scapegoat, and that's what I felt a little bit. Yeah, and how did he differ to Phil Neal when he took over? Um, Phil's a completely different style of management. Um, you just know from his knowledge, um, his own playing career, um, and it was a bit of a weird one for me because I sort of came into the team on that that season through default, really, because we had no centre halves left at the club, mm. and I was out of contract, so um, the club weren't offering me a, a deal. Um, you know, even just on the same money, it was just they just weren't, weren't offering me. So I was out of I was at contract, and I got myself really fit uh, as well. So when we came back pre-season, uh, we just sold I think um, Peter Atherton to Sheffield Wednesday, yeah. and um, I can't remember who the other one was. Phil Bab was still was still there because he went a bit a bit afterwards. He left about mm. early. I think I want to say by the end of August, we'd lost both of our centre halves. So. Um, I was sort of the only centre half we had, so <laughs> I had to, I had to pick me, and it just because I got myself really fit because I, you know, I didn't know if I'd be at Coventry or not. I was out of contract. I thought, right, that's where I've got to be, and um, and, uh, and I'll never forget with with Phil because at the time I'd, uh, I was a, obviously a free. Uh, I remember um, we played the first couple of games, and I, and I happened to have a really good start, and uh, you know, I'd scored on the on. The first game of the season against Wimbledon, um, when we drew one-one, and um, and, and I was still out of contract there. I was just getting paid for as you know each week on a week-to-week contract, and uh, I played a little bit of a game with uh, with, with Phil because um, I had had gone and met uh, Joe Kinnear at Wimbledon, oh, yeah. and um, so they were coming to. Obviously, we played the first few games. I'd done really well, and then they wanted to offer me a contract, and it was. I'd had met Joe, so I sort of used that, but we hadn't talked about signing or anything like that. I just, and mm. I just, and Phil said to me the one night, he said, um, he said, I'm waiting to sign the contract now, same terms. I said, well, you know, I've been speaking to Wimbledon and um, they've offered me this. If you can match that, then I'll, I'll sign a two-year deal. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Boosty yeah, playing was, agent. Yeah, well, I, I, I had met him. We hadn't talked about sort of the money. I, I knew what it was. It wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't a massive um, increase. I think I went from three hundred seventy-five pound a week to to um, four hundred and fifty to five fifty with appearances. So it was, you know, it wasn't it was massive amounts. So I think I swindled. I got a bit of a uh, signing on fee out of him as well. Nice. Uh, and then and then that made that scene. So so Phil, you know, whether rightly or wrongly, I got the chance, but he he kept me in there, and I had. Um, I think I can't remember how many games I played that season, but I was sort of ever present up until January where I had a hernia. I, put, um, I needed my hernia doing. I remember playing against Nottingham Forest coming off, um, playing against them, and I, this, I just I'd got a hernia and it had to be repaired. And I missed the next six months of the season because I actually needed two hernias, but they didn't do the, t- the two at the same time. So I had one hernia. And then I thought, this this still feels really painful. I can't run properly. I can't squint. And then went back in and then I needed the other. So I missed the, the, the last six months of that. I think it was the 95 season it would have been. Um, you know, after playing, um, you know, a, a good chunk of the, of the games that I did play for Coventry. And 
talking about your sort of professional debut, it came against Norwich in the FA Cup, and then straight away afterwards, you made your Premier League debut, um, also against Norwich. How how did it feel to sort of make that, you know, that then debuts at, at that sort of time? Again, it's quite unusual circumstances because we played a reserve game the night before, and the team were travelling down on the Wednesday to play on in the. I think they were. Tra- I'm trying to think now because we played on the Wednesday night and then we played them again on the Saturday. That was it. And we were travelling down on the Tuesday. That's what we were doing. And we'd had a reserve game, I think, on the Wednesday. And, um, and we'd lost. And, um, you know, the gaffer and um, had, had, had come, come in and give us a light, so-and-so. And then I wasn't in the travelling squad. I wasn't in the playing squad to go down to, to Norwich. And then... I think Peter Billing had read the script and then all of a sudden he he didn't want to be going down to Norwich for a few days. So he thought, I'm not going to go down there and just either sit on the bench or be in the squad. So he had a calf strain. <laughs> so so I went to Pete. Pete went, no, my calf's um, it's playing up. And then he, he just went the next one along with me sitting next to him. He goes, right, you're in the squad. For, and you, we, uh, we're travelling tomorrow. I think, oh, OK. I mean, I was really excited. I thought, brilliant. But the uh, you know, I don't think... You know, Jed was an experienced uh, uh, player and knew what he was doing and didn't want to get for the trip. Whereas I wanted to go down there and you know and experience it all. Yeah. So um, I got on, I got on the bench and uh, came on uh, for Lloyd McGrath um, only for about three or four minutes. It was right at the end. We'd, we'd lost the game in the FA Cup, uh, but I got on the pitch and I, I made my debut. Um, and then I don't think Andy Pearce, who I was rooming with at the time, he didn't have a particularly good game. And I think Bob wanted to make an example of him, so we dropped him for the um, the match, the league match on the Saturday. Uh, I think we drew nil nil. I'm, I'm not very good with, with results and who we played and the actual things, but I'm pretty certain we, it was either one one or nil nil. I can't. But on the Saturday, I, I made my debut, and I was just so nervous, you know, making that. You know, that obviously, you, you ring your family; they're all then making plans to come down and watch you play. Um, I saw the, the, the dad and my sister and the brother as I come off the coach. I was, apparently, I had a, you know, my face was just, you know, just grim, gone, grim, thinking, what the hell am I yeah. totally out of my place here? And, you know, ner- nerves, really. And I, I always had nerves. Not nerves to make me, I, I, nerves was a good sign for me. Um, yeah, it made me that sort of concentration. As soon as I got on the pitch, they, they'd go and, and, and there was nothing to be had. So that was, that was a great week, that was. It was uh, you know, we're making my debut, and then on the Saturday night, it was you know it was they showed the highlights on match of the day, and I remember being a being in a pub in Kings Heath, and then it, it came on, and they you know saw myself a couple of times, and I think it was uh, I think it was marking Chris Sutton that day. I think he might have been at Norwich then. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. And you played ten over ten games in your first season. Um, were you enjoying your football, and did you feel settled in the side in the first few games, David? Um. I, I knew I wasn't the first first choice, so um, I think it was more of a case of like, you know, because I, I was in, I was on the bench, then I'd start. I had a run of about three games, and I think Bob Bob uh, Bob, I think yeah, Bob Bobby Gold. I think he understood that he had to he'd get more from me by, by putting me in and then bringing me out, and you know, Lee Hurst had just you know um, had landed on the scene that season as well, and you know, he'd played a lot of games, and you know, he, I think he just felt that I was you know. It was better for me to go in and come out, um, and obviously on, on other players that were, were fit and things like that. So, you know, I, I, I loved whatever I played. You know, that that season, the ten or twelve games, or 
you know, I, can't, I can't even remember when I started 10 or 12 or was on the bench mm. and that included that. It's like I say, I'm awful <laughs> with who I played against. Um, but it, I, I just think it was right. You know, I think I would do the same now if I had a, a player similar to me, you know, a little bit inexperienced at that level and, you know, put him in for a few games, let him learn around him, get used to it a little bit, take him out, you know, and uh, get him used to the, uh, you know, the environment really. Yeah. And you scored five goals in 56 appearances for the Sky Blues. And I remember one brilliant bullet header at Upton Park at West Ham. Talk us through that, uh, Boosty. Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, that, that that means as much to me now as it did back then. Um, and it's always it's always weird because I always ask the question, why was it still up there? Yeah. Um, because it wasn't. A, it was a set piece that had been cleared. I think it was a corner, and then I think Dion Dublin was on the wing, and he might have crossed the ball in. Um, and and the header. Uh, and I just remember rising. You know, um, nobody was near me. I was on my own, and um, mm. I think the goalkeeper was Ludo. McCloskey. Oh, McCloskey. Yeah. McCloskey, yeah. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and we, and it, and it was weird in a way because I'd, I'd been on holiday the year before with Sean, Sean Flynn and we oh, met yeah. some West, we met some West Ham fans and we kept in touch with them and they were coming to the game and we were meeting them afterwards regardless of what. So I'll never forget going into some pub around West Ham's game, <laughs> walking into their pub having just scored the winner against them into some East End pub and, uh, <laughs> You know, we only we only stayed for one drink because uh, <laughs> you know the, the lads were great in protecting me as much as they could. But my my son-in-law is a, is a West Ham fan. All oh, right, and my grandson is like half West Ham, half Coventry. So uh, I, I'm forever showing in that video because I'd never had any <laughs> TV footage of that, and it was only someone put something up on, on it might be a YouTube or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and so I said, look, I, I, I saved it and I, I show it to him every now and again just to just to wind him up. So. Yeah, but it was it was a great, you know, any of the all of the goals that I, I, I sort of scored were really special and uh, you know important and uh, you know it was uh, yeah, they were all headers as well. Yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> I remember you talked about being in the box, and I remember one assist as well at Goodison Park for Dion. Now, yes. now that was an assist. Yeah, <laughs> that was the reverse outside of the left oh, foot mate, hook. <laughs> In other yeah. words, it was just a, it was a lump back over my head, and Dion just happened to put a great finish in. <laughs> well, yeah, it wasn't bad, was it, Dave? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I still I like the reverse outside of the left foot scene, Dion three. That, that's a much better way to describe <laughs> yeah. it. And that was a tough game because I think we were two 0 down in that game as well. Yeah, yeah, we were. Yeah, I remember playing against Big Duncan, and uh, I was partnered with Liam Dace that day as well, and they had that Daniel Amakachi. Yeah. Um, I just yeah, remember, I remember, I remember Duncan Ferguson. Just they, they, them two just didn't get on, and he was just he was just abusing him throughout the whole game, talking to us about about the, about the player. So it was uh, quite funny. But him and luckily him and Daisy had a bit of a ding dong, so they left me alone. That doesn't surprise me with Daisy. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't back off, and Duncan liked no, he back wouldn't. as well. No, definitely yeah. not. And then in the 94-95 season, you played a, a really you know, big role um, and had a, a big run of games. Um, that must have been really pleasing to sort of cement your spot in the squad. Yeah, it's the difference. For when, no, and it's not, it's not, it's not been... You, you're always fighting for your place. Yeah. But 
within that first, with everything that happened with me being out of contract, getting signed, somebody showing, someone else showing me interest, it sort of gave me a great confidence to say, you know, I can, I can play at this level. And, you know, I, I had a particularly good first five, six games. And then something changed that, that I then became, you know, my name was on the, on, for the, one of the centre-halves, my name was on the team sheet first, whereas before it was always, well, so-and-so's injured you know, I'll have to go and play. And, you know, and that gives you great confidence knowing that you're, you know, if, you're, if, you, if you are injured and you miss a game, that they're going to sort of bring you back straight away. I mean, obviously I missed the last half of the season on it, but for the six months, you know, prior to that, I was I was playing every single game. If I, you know, yeah. and I, I was fit then. I, I really worked on my fitness and, you know, we, we were playing, you know, quite quite well as well. Ron Atkinson then came in in February 1995 and we've heard some cracking stories from uh, Steve Froggy uh, about on a recent pod about Ron. Uh, yeah. what, what was he like and uh, did you two get on well? Again, it was a bit of a love-hate love, love thing. He wanted to... The f- first thing he said to me was, uh, I think he came, he came in February, he played in five-a-side um, with us. He wasn't manager, Phil was still manager. He really played a big Ron, played in the five yeah, side. Big Ron came into training and played played five side with the first team in training. And we're all going, we're all going, why's this guy what, what's what's going on here? And I'm, you know, looking back now, Phil must have been thinking, this ain't right. I mean he wasn't no. right. And shortly after Phil Phil went and yeah. surprisingly, Big Ron took over. Obviously I, I was out then, so I was I wasn't in the uh, in, I was still on my hernia then. So the first time I met him when he became manager was in, we we passed in the uh, in the tunnel at Lighton and he said to me he goes um, Dave Buse aren't you? I went yeah he goes um, still injured I went yeah I am he went you're no use to me <laughs> and, and carried on walking <laughs> I went oh that's, that's, that's nice brilliant. to meet you it's nice to meet you Gaffer uh, yeah um, but yeah he, he again he, he he pushed me in a way which got the best out of me rather than than pops what what. Uh, Bobby did when I first got in, in and, that, and that's not saying Bobby's te- technique or anything was any different. Mm. It's just that where I was, where I'm coming in very raw, I could have done with a bit, probably a little bit more guidance and, and support. Whereas I think, it, I think Big Ron knew that I was, and, and Kevin Kevin Richardson was, was pivotal in this pivotal in this relationship as well because the gaffer li- listened to him quite a lot about what was going on the pitch, what the players yeah. thought, and things like that. Um, and um, so, so when I did get back in in, in 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 the team, and I wasn't like I say first of all, they'd, they'd bought spent money on Liam, on Daishi, Um so it was anything between Shaws he could play centre half, Paul Williams could play yeah. centre half, you know, they had quite a few options, and you know I'd had six months out and was, was settling back in the first early part of the season, was settling back in the team. I think mm. I, again I got back in the team properly by default when we played Wimbledon. Um, I don't know if you remember it, but we had two players sent off, Paul Williams and Richard Shaw. We yeah. came back from nine men and, and won three two, I think it was. And then the next week they was they was suspended. So um, and that's when we played Blackburn in the snow. Right. And obviously I came back in, played it, played alongside. Um, I think Chris White. It might have been on loan with the senior. It, it was, was yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and we beat we beat the champions five. I don't know if it was five nil or five one. I can't remember. Five nil, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, five nil. I don't remember. We was up against Sheer. That's why I don't remember him scoring. So I, I fit certain five nil. Yeah, yeah. And I scored. I scored the first goal. So that was that, that mm. was that, that was brilliant. That was. But yeah, but 
and I think it was probably that that time that Ron knew that he could trust me going in the side. He could. He knew I was his type of player. I would. I would again. Some of his training methods were <laughs> unbelievable. You know, normally it would be we we always have a father side on a Friday, and he used to do the Champions League um, coverage then. And whoever had been the star player of whatever game, he would be that player in training. So he would, you know, have, have all his gear on. He'd always be Del Piero or someone like that, and you you just wouldn't wouldn't want to be on the gaffer side and the father side because he was a liability. And uh, and you knew that if you had one, you'd have to do the. The, the run and the punishment. So if you were on his side, you were just, you know, you knew you had to, you'd be, you'd be running after the session. Like, it wasn't too far, but you had to do the sprint. Um, but I, I just, I, just I, I think the way that he man-managed players and protected players from the outside and then the way he got that sort of team morale up and um, and things like that, I think was just, a, it, it, was, it was brilliant. It's what was Ron always about. And I think if you talk mm. to any players that have been managed by Ron, his man-management was his by far his biggest biggest strength, and uh, so so when we were there, he brought Gordon Strachan in with him, and Gordon was just starting on his journey of coaching and and playing still. Yeah. And the two of them together, I still think were the best combination we ever had, because you mm. had the seriousness of Gordon, who was wanting to get everything right technically and training wise, and then what we ate and how we prepared, and then you had the you know the gaffer who wanted still had that sort of old school of saying like we're all going on an end of season trip, we're all going out to have a, have a drink. You know, you can have your on your day off. You can go out and do what you want as long as you come back, you know, ready to train, get yeah. get it out your system. So it, it, we had the best of both worlds for to a bit with the with the two of them. Um, yeah, but fond memories of, of Big Ron and the uh, time. It's just the way he just it, it connects us all. Uh, me, Paul Williams, Richard Shaw, and um, you know, in, in Daisha and that. He just we, we just had such such good Dave Burrows who was playing left back at the time. Yeah. Um, it just you know we we all lived quite close together the three of us not Shawsy but Paul Williams Dave Burrows and we used to you know, travel in together and that and we you know the gaffer would always you know, come and join us for a drink whenever we were having one after training yeah. back then it was, it, was, it was what you used to do you you know go training and maybe go and have something to eat and a pipe somewhere lovely and we were always around in the drop zone around that era and uh, it was certainly never a, a dull moment in that time. Supporting the Sky Blues in the Premier League, um, was it same for the players, or do you prefer? Would you have preferred being in more mid-table in a more safer place, Dave? I'd certainly have preferred being in a more safer place. It was, it was <laughs> less. I, I, I don't. Again, I don't remember us being like we're in the bottom two, three every week, but we were no. always in and around where yeah. we had to. You know, even with you know, cause I think the one season with um, with, with Bobby Gordon, I think we finished ninth or something like that. It was, yeah, we did. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously when when Ron came in, it was obviously to well, maybe it was to rescue us or something. But obviously they sacked Phil Neal and brought brought Ron in then. And then the next yeah. season, um, that. But so yeah, I mean, I think it was just how it was. I mean, like, you just saw our, our car park change overnight when Big Ron came in because uh, you know we all had the um, sort of club Peugeot three hundred sixes, I think yeah. it was, and then Ron turns up. No, I don't want to drive a Peugeot. He then a Jag appeared in the in the in the car park, and then all the players we signed after that, and then driving Mercs and BMWs. So uh, like Frank so, Butcher, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was quite. You, you could see, and I think it was when the, the money was turned. So the first few years in the Premier League, there was nowhere near the, nowhere near what the money's there now today. But even back then, it was after, it was when Big Ron came. 
um, at, that's when the, the type of player that he he brought, you know, was, was the money was coming into it. You could you could see it, you know, just from that, you know. And obviously, you played with many talented players, but who for you? With the players that you played with, was the most gifted? Uh, I think the the probably a bit, the best player, um, and, it, and I'm, I'm going to say the player who had the most influence on the team, and not just as an individual. Yeah. So when we signed, um, so obviously Peter and Love was was so gifted and and, and talented, and you know he, he was just unbelievable, you know, um, and he was a real good lad, and I. In, in the early years, played a lot of reserve football with, with, with Peter um, before he broke into the team and things like that. But, but when we bought Dion Dublin for two million for Man United, he, and he, was, he was never like a big-time Charlie or anything like that. But the way he changed, he, he, they made him skipper. Um, the way he sort of galvanised us and he, the habits, the good habits that he'd seen at Manchester, Manchester United, he brought into us. Um, and he and he really led us as a team, and, and we all we all bought into it. And um, it was no, and that's what I say about the, being the biggest influence because you know, and, and you know, Dion liked a, you know a, a drink as much as anyone, and you know, a social. But you know, it was one of them. We do the work first, we get the results, and then we'll we'll celebrate. Yeah. We'll work hard to get the, and maintain standards, and that's what it was about maintaining standards. Do you still keep in touch with the former players that you played with? Uh, it just varies. Um, there's, there's a group of us that regularly uh, meet up every year. So obviously, the Coventry City Former Players Association does their. Um, course, obviously, we didn't yeah. we did have it this year, and we get to see you know all the players are invited from all the different eras. But you know, there was we had there's a real good group of lads um, that stayed together quite a lot. And uh, it was like it was Ali. I always remember it was Ali Pickering, John Williams, Steve Morgan, Lee Jenkinson, yeah. Sandy Robertson. Um, and Sean Flynn and we we were we were a very close unit uh, with Big Ron and when um, when Mick Brown was his was his number two, um, and that, and that was a real good good. So I, I I tend to see you know we're in like WhatsApp groups with those those guys, and then it's just about when we are pass across. So Dion did something for the BBC um, last season. Uh, I think it was after yeah. Matty Garden had scored his goals. Yeah, um, we were yeah, on Football Focus. Yeah. So I just I saw him and you know I, I you know obviously we follow each other on social media and that but I, I see him probably you know once every six months yeah. you know but uh, so it's always good it's just it's just great that you can meet I mean I remember playing Bolton at, at St Andrews and Julian Darby was on the part of the coaching staff and I yeah. hadn't seen Julian Darby for well since he left Coventry and you know you just you know being in and around the club on on home matches is uh, you know you see people. Coming in that you used to used to either play with or you played against, or so that, that that's nice to see that. But there is a, there is that 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 group that we that we get together more sociably than 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 any of the others. And Paul Williams was one of my um, um, best best friend, best mates. Uh, you know, our wives at the time got on. Um, I'm still with mine. He's not with with his. <laughs> Just wanted to add that. <laughs> um, and funnily enough, I spoke to Willow yesterday because um, he's doing. Um, like a coaches seminar on through our Sky Blues in the community group, so we uh, was just having a chat about it this morning. So, uh, so Willow, he was a really good friend of mine. And Sean Flynn, because we both came from non-league, we were both playing against each other in non-league, and um, I still, you know, drop each other, a, you know, Christmas card and uh, you know the odd phone call here and there. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And we talked on, we talked earlier about uh, playing against the likes of Alan Shearer. Um, and there was a lot of established talents in the Premier League when you were playing. Um, who was the best player or best players you played against, Boosty? Uh, well, I, I, always, I always do ask, well, I always have two Two stroke three, and one will surprise you quite a lot. So I always go about how how I played and yeah. how I how I did well. So Alan Shearer for me was the best um, centre forward at that time. It was pre his knee injury, mm. and so for me he was one of the best players in the world at the time. So yeah. um, obviously when we beat them, and he you know obviously when Blackburn beat us four nil, and I can't remember if it was him or Sutton um, scored scored a hat trick. One of them did. Um, in fact, it was Phil Babb's last game because he went to Liverpool after that. Mm. Um, so I always say Alan Shearer just because, and he was really clever, Alan. It annoyed me a little bit. It annoyed me but still to this day because he was very clever um, because he would con referees. He had a, a great technique and if he went up for a header, he knew he couldn't beat you in the air, but he had a way of throwing himself forward so it looked like you pushed him in the back. You know, and he... he he did it really well, but it just annoyed me that referees could, couldn't see it properly. Yeah, he was, he was very sly doing yeah. it, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. And, you know, his, his finishing ability and, and, and goal record and all that speaks, speaks volumes. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just saying, if I'm, <laughs> when you're up against him, he, he was he was cheating, I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the other uh, one, uh, well, as, as, as the three, is Ian Wright. Uh, yeah. Ian Wright obviously yeah. came from non-league as well and was a real, you can tell the way he scrapped for everything. He yeah. could finish, he could play, he was quick, he was tenacious and uh, he, he would, so as a centre-half, he would he would just be at you all the time. He would, he would never give it, have a minute to, to relax on the ball or anything like that. He was constantly on it and you had to be constantly because his movement was that good. He was always um, on the move, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So it was him. And the other one, funny enough, was, was Ian Dowie. Wow. <laughs> That's why I said you might find it a little bit weird. <laughs> because, you know, I, 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 was, I, was quite, I was quite quick for centre-half and I was, I was quite good in the air. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, six, I'm six foot what, two. Um, but Ian Dowie just, he, he just seemed to, you know, be able to back into me. He seemed to hold, be able to, he, he just had a way of, uh, been really awkward for me to play against, mm. and that's because of his probably his physicality. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't a great goal scorer or anything like that. But he just he, just, he got in the way, you know. And uh, I always say him because he was just a little bit unorthodox. And he was hard to play against. And we talk a lot on the podcast about Highfield Road um, and the memories that people have about the place. Um, what memories do you have of Highfield Road, and why was it so special for you? Um, I think good 
Coventry, obviously when I was playing my reserve game, my trials and things like that, it was, it was at Highfield Road, so it was, you know, it was probably the first, I think I'd only ever played at Moor Green, with, there was a final at, at the Hawthorns, so I hadn't yes. played at many, you know, as you would, I'd, I'd never played at you know, many, many grounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went to, to Coventry, I always remember getting lost on the, uh, the ring road, um, <laughs> And you know, going up sky blue away, but not being able to find a football ground. And anyone who's from Coventry is going, well, "What are you on about? It's simple." But <laughs> when you haven't, when you haven't been there before, um, coming off, um, coming off there, I, got, and I, always, I always remember because I was late. You know, I'd, I'd sort of give myself an hour to get to um, Coventry from. I live sort of solid side of Birmingham, mm. so it was only a half an hour journey. I'd give myself an hour, and I ended up, I think, being we had to be there at six o'clock. And I just remember just driving around that ring road and just off it and not having a clue where the ground was. And then all of a sudden I saw the lights um, and thought, oh, it must be somewhere around here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, no, that, that was my first one. It was a really good pitch as well. I mean, you know, actually, that's that's not right. It wasn't a great pitch. It just When you go and play on a professional's pitch from the grounds that you're used to playing on in London, yeah. no matter how bad it, it, it was, it, it still looked brilliant because of the stadium and you know, the whole, the lights on and all that lot. And, uh, but I, I remember, I'm just, I just contradicted myself because I, I remember the, 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 the pitch wasn't actually the best to play football on. But, you know, with early days with Bobby Gould, we, we didn't play a lot of football. We were, we were told, you know, you get them turned and you squeeze up and you go for mm-hmm. a high press. And Bob had done that with a lot of his teams. I think we even had the grass grown in the, um, in the corners of each, each end of the ground. So we would hold the ball up a little bit more. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd loved Highfield Road. I loved the way the, um, the the fans were so close to the pitch as well. And mm. you know, you, you think about when you scored goals. So I remember scoring my first goal, you know, against Wimbledon, and then you know Wimbledon didn't have many fans at, at the game uh, mm. that day. So the where they would normally be was sort of empty. And then you, I just remember running across the West Terrace and, you know, the fans going mad. And I remember the, Mickey Quinn telling the referee, going, it's his first goal, as if to say, look, he's, he's going mad because he's, he's scored his first goal. You know, because I was, I was sort of... Uh, I didn't know... If you look back on the highlights, I don't know what I was doing because it, it wasn't a celebration. It was like somebody who obviously doesn't score that much and doesn't know what to do when, when they have scored. So, uh, <laughs> there's no somersaults for me, put it that way. No Bobby Keane S. No, something like that. Um, and it, it's a really tough topic to, to move on to now, um, especially after obviously talking about a lot of the memories. And, and I expect it's a story that you've told so many times, perhaps. But um, j- just obviously that, that fateful afternoon at Old Trafford um, and an awful, awful tackle. Um, and just at the time, I suppose, just your thoughts after the sort of injury and... Did you realise at the time of how serious it perhaps was? I think that whole weekend was really it was a big weekend for me because we played um, Liverpool on a Saturday, and you know you're talking about now we, 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 we that was a big weekend for us because we had to we had to win one of those games, and we beat Liverpool on the on the Saturday with the Noel Whelan sort of reverse sort of kick scoop back towards the goal, really good finish. Um, I know I was, I'd, I'd played in the team and then we knew we were going up to uh, Old Trafford on the Monday. So to get that win on the Saturday was absolutely brilliant. And we were going up there with, you know, full of confidence to get something out of the, uh, uh, at Old Trafford. Sure. Um, obviously, I knew who we were playing up against, you know, all the players, all the household names that were there. And, you know, we'd 
obviously we didn't do much planning because you know we played on the Saturday, yeah. Sunday we had off, and then we it was bank holiday Monday. So um, it was just great to be told that I was I was starting, especially and they kept the, I think we kept the same team, yeah. um, and, and and I'd be starting, and we always obviously went through our set pieces. So you know we had a corner really early on, and I'm talking within the first minute, and we had our set piece. So I would go up, um, we would play a. Whichever the signal was, Ali Pickman took it. it was, I think he got flicked on by Noel at the near post. And then I always came in at the far post to pick up the second ball. And the ball, I just remember seeing the ball there. Um, and I was only about, I want to say, just inside the six-yard line. So probably about five yards out. And look and see that, oh, there's the ball. Stick my leg out. Um, you know, and then that, you know, to be hit, you know, by the two players, McLare and Dennis Irwin, either side, that split second time is all even, you know, you know, quicker than split second, you know, tenths and tens of thousands of seconds. It's, yeah. it was just to be, you know, at, at, at whatever the timing, you know, is. If one of them was slightly a little bit later than the other one, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have got, I'd still got injured, but I wouldn't have, yeah. I wouldn't have broke my leg um, as I, as I did because yeah. basically one, one blocked me on the inside of my foot and one was the force coming from the outside of, of my leg. So the, yeah. those two forces meeting in the opposite direction meant my, my leg had nowhere to go other than to, to snap and break. So, um, you know, that was after 87 seconds, I think it was. You know, yeah. it was just... I had, I said, um, people tell me, you know, does... Um, what sets in? Is, is, does shot set in? Does... Yeah. Um, I, I, I just remember looking up and seeing Dion Dublin sort of on his haunches and I don't know if this is because of the picture that I've seen of him doing this or whether it's, I actually remembered it but I just saw the look on his face I remember their their doctor and their physio coming coming on and I knew then because George Dalton was our physio I knew then that you know when you're bringing other people on something, something felt that wasn't something I knew something was out of place but I didn't know what it was and I wouldn't look down at it and you know I didn't want to move because any movement would cause pain, and then, um, and and then obviously I was going off the side of the pitch, and I remember saying to Gordon Strachan, I said, "That's it now, isn't it?" Because I, I was thinking at the time I, I broke my leg, and I just said, "Oh, that's it now, isn't it?" There's, you know, at my age, I was twenty-eight then. Uh, you know, a broken leg at that age, that's it. Sure. And, and the gaffer was reassuring me, he goes, "You know, don't be silly. You don't know what the extent is." And you know, off I went down onto the ambulance, and then the most painful thing was uh, all the speed bumps at Old Trafford. And they felt yeah. like they were massive. So when, when the ambulance went out, my leg just kept on every speed bump. We're going, come on, come on, come on. And it was, the pain was, was fine. And then got to, got to hospital. Dave Rennie came in the, in the ambulance with me. Um, and just before I was just about to go under, um, to have it set or find out whatever was going on, um, I remember one of their porters coming running down saying that, um, United had just scored, <laughs> so that just topped off my afternoon then. So uh, yeah, and then you know, sort of uh, just dealt with you know the next two years then, two three mm-hmm. years with, with getting over it. And you had quite a few operations following uh, the injury. How tough was that to deal with, Boosty, uh, physically and mentally? Uh, I've always been a really positive person and still yeah. am. Still am. Um, I always knew that football wasn't going to be the only thing I'd ever do. I was late coming into the game. I was, knew that I'd have a short career because of my age. You know, if I got to 35, I'd then be going back into the 
the real world, as you, as you say, to, to do a job. So I'm very grounded, and especially with my upbringing through my family and my dad, um, yeah. it was I always knew that I would be going back. So I always looked at it that, you know, obviously at the time, I didn't, what I'm trying to get to is that I'm, I had a real good positive outlook on things, um, which really helps, helps me, still helps me today on, 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 on my outlook on life. Mm. Um, I mean, those first, I think it was 10 operations we had in the first 12 days. And, um, you know, I think because physically, obviously, the fitness helped me with that because it meant my body could go through with it. But mentally, I probably didn't, didn't come into it really because it was just like next operation, next operation, next mm. operation. Didn't have time and recovering from anesthetics. And, you know, you, you, you're just out of it for most of the time. So, you know, the, the, the mental side of it probably came more later on when, um, you know, I was, I was sort of told I wasn't going to play again and then mm. um, dealing with that. But I, I probably had an inkling that uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't play again after probably about three months yeah. um, because of my the way my foot it wasn't the break. The break was fine, and it could that could be mended as horrific as it was. That could always be repaired. But it was the, the tendons and the muscle damage I, I had which stopped mm. me playing. The the uh, virus that I caught in hospital, MRSA, which is why mm. all the operations were they were they were cleaning my my leg out, my wound because it was really um, heavily uh, infected. Mm. Um, so all of the operations were to just basically scrub scrub my bones and my you know my, my muscles and that so mm. uh, you know um, but I, I noticed that I couldn't pull my right foot up um, after about three months because I had various fixators and, and back slabs on my you know in the, those three months and then yeah. when they took all that away I thought why can't I pull my toes up towards my thing and then you know obviously you did that you see the physios and everything and and that's you know when I sort of knew, but it wasn't until sort of six months afterwards that when I went to see the uh, specialist um, in Manchester that he confirmed he confirmed what I'd, I'd sort of already I'd picked up myself. And and then on to perhaps you know happier times and, and the testimonial versus Man United in 1997. Um, I remember it as a as a fantastic occasion and seeing the likes of Gaza and Les Ferdinand in Coventry shirts, but. Yeah, what what was that night like for you, and, and how special was it? Oh, it was just it was just amazing, you know. And you know, from all the support I'd had from people of Coventry and, and Manchester and the general football world, you know, the amounts of letters and good best wishes and cards yeah. that I received was, was was frightening during you know the year before then. Um, but that night was just it was just it was just it couldn't have happened any better way because I think we we'd gone to Spurs on the Saturday and. And won and stayed up. <laughs> another another <laughs> another relegation battle had to yeah. win, and we, we we stayed up. Um, and then the game was on the Monday, I think it was. And oh, is it the Monday? Oh, no, it was a Friday, wasn't it? Oh, that's, again, my <laughs> I know it was the sixteenth of May. I think it was, must have been a Friday. Yeah, it was because the Monday they were queuing up round Highfield Road to buy tickets for the for the match against United the following Friday. Yeah, that's right, what it was. Yeah. And it was the first ever um, testimonial benefit match, they called it, um, to be sold out prior to kick-off. Yeah. Um, because they'd sold all the tickets. Um, whereas most testimonial games, it's, it's the crowd on the night. You know, they sell some walk-up, tickets. But, yeah. But yeah, it's the walk-ups. But we'd sold all the tickets and you couldn't, you couldn't get one for love and money. And, um, it was, and, and just the whole occasion. So George Best was there that night as well. 
Yeah. Um, you know, just seeing all these people, it just went so quick. You know, I, I, you know, my wife and my family were all there and all my friends and, you know, all the players I was playing with. It was just such a surreal night. And, uh, and I was, I was, I'll tell you one, one quick story on the thingy. So we'd, we'd arranged before the game that I would come on at some stage and, and take a penalty. So, bearing in mind at the time, I couldn't kick the ball with my right foot. So, yeah. I spoke to Peter Michael and said, right, I'll come on, I'll have the penalty, I'm going to take it with my left foot. I said, I'm going to put it to your your left, so you dive right. <laughs> That's great, that was the plan. So anyway, um, Gary Neville had done a ridiculous handball and, you know, playing volleyball or something, he was flapping at the ball just to get this penalty in. <laughs> and then, uh, so I came on, and then I, was, I was jogging over past the dugouts, and I saw Schmeichel was on the bench. <laughs> so I thought, oh, God, what are we going to do now? I, can, I can't remember the, the other goalie that they'd got. Is it Van Gaal? Gaal? You know? And so, so I was there taking, getting ready to take this penalty, and he's looking at me, and I'm, I'm pointing to the corner, <laughs> trying, to, trying to say to him, right, I'm going to put it there. And does that mean I'm shooting there, or does that, he's going to dive that way? Or, and in the end, I had to take the penalty for real, so uh, with my left foot, which, which wasn't obviously my strongest. So. Uh, that was just quite a, quite a but but Gaza was Gaza, Gaza was brilliant and you know he he gave me a pair of boots he gave me a Rangers kit all signed by him I still got it nah um, it, it was just brilliant it's just exactly what you'd think Gaza would be all about yeah and uh, you know Cantona as well and obviously at the time we we didn't know it was his his last game yeah um, and and so that and it, you know we I've, again I've got a Cantona shirt as well. Um, so it's the official one of the last one he played in, and we we never thought anything of it. But he had three shirts. He wore three shirts in that that game. Right. And um, my um, my uncle went into the uh, Man United dressing room afterwards to see if we could get a shirt. Didn't, obviously, didn't know it was, it was just a shirt that we could get signed by all the players. Yeah. To, to, to sort of, so we've got the, the home shirts. We've got them signed. And he, he came out, and it was a, it was it was a long sleeve shirt of very Cantona's, and he'd signed the back of it as well. And um, so to have to have his shirt, you know, the, the last one, and we found out afterwards he wore three because one went one went to the Manchester United Museum. Yeah, he gave us one which we didn't know about, and then obviously a few days later is when he announced his retirement. So um, I think I think he kept one himself, and uh, I always remember that the last Premier game he, I always think. The story afterwards was that the, the last game of that season of the Premier League, it wasn't his last game because he wasn't retiring then. Yeah. Um, they played West Ham and um, some, I can't remember the guy's name, um, one, of the Man United, one of the West Ham players. He had the last shirt he played in in, in, the, um, in the Premier League. Premier League where yeah. one was the last one he'd played ever for Man United. Yeah. yeah, so that was uh, yeah, that's a nice memento to have. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. Since retiring, you've been a big part of the backroom staff at the Sky Blues uh, Boosting. Talk us through that work you've been doing. Um, it's been over a long time. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I started in 97, September. Again, Barry Powell uh, was the community manager for, uh, they were called Football in the Community then, Coventry City Football in the Community. Yeah. Um, and he said to me, he said, look, do, do you want to come and, I, I was just getting into my coaching I was taking some of my badges. He said, look, do you want to, there's an opening coming up here. And they, they took on five five coaches. Lloyd McGrath was one of them. And they gave us areas. So Lloyd was at Stratford. They gave me Coventry Central. 
And we just went out, you know, holiday courses, after school clubs, things like that. And it was something which, because I, I sort of, the year I was out, you know, recovering from my injury and all the operations and doing my coaching, I thought, well, I want to stay in football in some way that well, I can. Uh, I could go back to the financial services, which is what I was doing before, but I wanted to try and get it. And this was an opportunity to, to come in and, and, and be a community coach. And and it's just the way things pan out. So I was, I was getting into my coaching. I was working for the academy. Um, I was just started, uh, so I was doing my, my C license, my C license and B license in that period, and then just started working for the academy. So it was I didn't know where I was going. I wanted to stay in coaching. The community scheme is a great. They do great things back then, and then obviously they do great things now. And it's evolved so much over the years, but. It's just over, over the years, Barry left, someone else came in as, as sort of head of community. Um, and then I think I had my chance in 2003 where um, they asked me if, if I would want to, you know, head it up. And we were in a, not in a great position, you know, financially. And we had to mm. go back to basics. And um, and, we, and we had a real good period for about four or five years where we went just back to basics, just doing what we were good at, which was after school clubs, holiday courses, all things like, things like that. Um, and then uh, the community sort of all changed. So in 2008, we became Sky Blues in the Community, which is a registered charity uh, for the football club. And, and and that's where it was a big game changer because all of a sudden community work wasn't about football. It was more than football. And that's one of our taglines now, more than football yeah. and, and, make, and making a difference. So we do football, education, health, inclusion. Um, obviously with the Premier League, putting money into um, community fo- football because obviously we're being a charity we have a board of trustees which um, you know there's representatives you know Dave Body and Mark Hornby are on the board of trustees and our chair Nick Newbold and the rest of our board of trustees they're all Coventry people Coventry fans mm. um, and they, they they guide us and um, you know we've, we've got it's, it's just it's just completely changed we, we, we've got a mixture now we still do our basic stuff of football development player development uh, after school clubs, holiday courses, all those stuff that we used to do, which we call our core activities. But now we apply for funding to put on um, mental health um, programs. Um, and we've just got a, um, a, a thing that, well, we were due to start in March. It's called Mentalk. Okay. Uh, and it's, it's a mental oh, health brilliant. program. Yeah. Um, and we've got five years funding to um, to see oh, that you know what, what that, that that looks like. So it's you know it it, it brought a skill set to me. And and during this time, obviously in those early years, I was I was in the academy. I was, I was managing uh, non-league as well. It was four years at Solihull and a couple of years at Eversham. And I yeah. didn't really know whether I wanted to go back into football full time, you know, on the, on the professional side. But mm. it's about being in the right place, right time, opportunities, and they never came along to make me go right I need to do this whereas the community really um, took off and I saw that's where I saw my future because I had to look after how do I support my family how do I go and what what direction do I go in and the football side of it is less secure than than going into the community side of it and uh, uh, I made that decision then I was still uh, coaching with the academy but you know I had a couple of spells for a few years here and there when when they they needed me and, and then this has just evolved now we've got 40, I think it's 48 staff we've got now, um, you know, doing all sorts of stuff wow. across the community. And it's, yeah. you know, you look at the what we're doing now, you know, we're working with five sort of food banks across Coventry. Um, 
you know, delivering you know on a volunteer basis for the to the community of people who need who who are vulnerable or elderly or at risk and they need these food packages and we've been delivering that it was our seventeenth week this week. So um, mm. you know, mm. it's it, it it just shows you that what you talk about the, we look at the impact and the journey. So we look at how we can provide opportunities for people to excel, so build confidence um, across all of those areas that I mentioned before. And you just see some of the, the journeys of people. And I'll, I'll just mention one quickly because it was a walking footballer. No, please do, yeah. Yeah, it's a guy called Ron Bannister. And he's out, it, it, you know, if he ever listens to this, he'll hate me for doing it. But he's been absolutely brilliant. And he came to our walking football program. He, he won't mind me saying he was, he was, you know, overweight. He had high blood pressure. Um, he was one of the originals on our walking football. And he came along to it and he loved it. And um, his health improved. Um, we at that time we were doing some um, um, some some checks for prostate cancer, right. um, and Ron took that up. And unfortunately, he he, he had prostate cancer, but it was, it was it was diagnosed and then treated, and you know, and he got over it. Um, right. And then he, you know, had it not been for our walking football session, he would not have known that he had prostate yeah. cancer. Yeah. And he then he then wanted to give something back, and we put him on some sort of leadership. Um, courses and uh, you know volunteer programs and things like that, and it's it's, it's it's just been absolutely brilliant for us, you know. And he's, you know he's seventy seventy odd, <laughs> probably won't, won't that be forgiving his age away. But <laughs> you know it's been a real lifeline to him, and you know we've, we've got to know his wife Mary as well. And um, it's just it's just that's what we talk about the journey. That's the impact of what we do. It's not about us getting somebody a kid off the street. Going into the academy and then making a professional football. Yeah, they're, they're great stories. Don't get me wrong, but it's the journeys of, of people of, of, of the you know the day to day people in our yeah. community and uh, and how we can impact on, on them in a positive way. And, and nothing nothing typifies better than, than Ron's story. And then we, you know we've got you know various ones across each one. Um, and that, but that just for me sums up what we what we do and the impact. And it's just by being people together physical activity into a social so the whole thing of walking football is about combating isolation people who like playing football weren't particularly good at it or might have been good at it but when you play walking football it's completely different you know and it, but it was just the social side we have a we have tea beforehand we have tea and cake afterwards we have a yeah. few socials we go and play against other teams walking footballers and that's just one you know that's one project we we currently run 42 projects a week well, not at the moment we don't but no. um, you know, diff- forty-two different projects, you know, and uh, and that's just one story from one of them. That's that's absolutely brilliant, and it, it epitomises exactly what you said that football in the community. And I think a lot of people, like you mentioned, would have gone back thinking, well, it's you know, looking at at school schools from the start and trying to get that next David Beckham. But actually, no, it's the the personal cool. stories yeah. that you, you mentioned there that are making a real difference in 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 the community. And we, we, you know, obviously everything we do, we, we wear the badge on our kit. We, yeah, of course. Everything, you know, we've got the representative. And we do lot, we do lots of other things for the club. We look after the player appearances, again, because they're taking them into the schools and around the community for, um, you know, fundraisers if we can help out. And we've got a great relationship with the football club, always have done. And that's, you know, because the, the clubs see the value in what we do. Not all clubs do see that value, but ours are no. really good at it. You know, Dave. Dave Buddy and Mark Hornby and Mark Robin, they, they really buy into it. And, uh, you know, we help out on match days. We run the ball boys. We run the mascots. You know, it's, it's, it's that safeguarding element 
of that, which the club don't have to worry about because they know that yeah, we as a charity are skilled in that. And, uh, you know, it's great because the, the player, we get, it's good, great for us as well because we get access to the players, we can get them to come yeah. to openings of our projects, you know, we, it, it's a great, you know... Um, Mutually beneficial, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 definitely. And you mentioned there about Mark Robbins. Um, just talk about, obviously, the season um, that we've just had and just at the job that Mark Robbins and, and Aby are doing at the club and perhaps, yeah, like you say, both on the pitch and, and off the pitch. Um, so, just off the pitch, off the pitch, because like our player appearances, uh, if, the, if, the, if the manager doesn't buy into it and see the worth of what the players are, because some managers over the years and just go, no, I don't want them out in the community. They've got a job as a professional football to do, and that's what they do. Not many have ever done that. They've always been very supportive and things like that. But Mark, uh, I think from his day at Man United, you know, he, he, he knows the importance of getting the players out and to be seen and, you know, and we've worked with him on a on a, a platform of how we do it and how we're not intrusive on um, training programs and you know young players that are training in the afternoons. And we, you know, we we we've worked out a really good way of doing it. Where the last, I think, it's the last Thursday of every month, every single player will go out into the community on an appearance and go out to the, the uh, supporters clubs as well on that one day. So nobody can turn around and go and go, oh, well, we didn't know we were doing it or anything like that. We all buy into it that they'll go into the schools and project in the daytime and then on the evenings they'll go out. So they've been, you know, yeah. in this, uh, since Mark's come, come back, that has been, you know, the, the number of appearances that w- our players have made and the hours that they contribute to the community has, has gone up every year ever since Mark's been there. So that's just on, mm-hmm. on that side. And, you know, Mark Hornby, you know, he, he sorts out the logistics with myself and yeah. the rest of my team, and it's just a great, you know, great way that we do it. I think you take us on to, you know, Mark's obviously his second stint um, with us, you know, you look yeah. at the check, the, about a month before, was it? But he still had to, you know, pull that team together, yes. you know, to, to win that, and it just it just started, because it, it brought a feel-good factor back to the club, because obviously we'd had, we'd had all the problems with you know i'm not going to get into that but we've got all no, the problems the off the, the pitch yeah. yeah and we just it, there was a split in the community and we could see it more than probably most people because we were out there with opinions and, yeah. and things like that and all of a sudden that wembley are taking you know 40 odd thousand down to wembley it, it brought us brought us t- together um and obviously we we went down that year didn't we did we get that? Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think the fact that the fact that they brought Mark in when they did, knowing that we were already down. Yeah. Even though we had a really good finish to the season, he he'd been told something that made him think, right, they're going to go down, but he's going to be given the resources or yeah. whatever to, to get us back up. And and, and I, I love that. I love the move the club did with that, and the fact that he took that on, knowing that. He had, a, you know, his job was to get us out of the division below, and he's coming early to sort it all out. Yeah, and you know, that was a, that was a that was a tough year from from that next year, um, and you could just tell that the way that he got us to the when we got us to the playoffs again in the the first the first time of asking, and the way we did it and everything like that again it was again he brought another another year another Wembley appearance to bring everyone together again. And you know the, the the belief that we had on the pitch. I mean, seeing the final, that playoff final was you know absolutely frightening. I've never seen us play football like that. You know, the confidence levels, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when with the young players that had sailed, the Jordan Willises, the Tom Baylises, Gail Bigu, 
over the yeah. Niners. I might be yeah. slightly wrong with some of the players because that might have been the ticket trophy. No, you're, you're fine. <laughs> I'm all right. Yeah. Um, um, you know, it, it was that. It was just that that that, that belief and confidence that he he instilled into them, and yeah. you know, and leading us into this, you know, this season just gone. You know, when I saw us sort of um, release so many players, and you know, you, yeah. you look at like Jack Grimace, and you, you know, I was thinking. Jack Grimmel, why, why we let him? He was one of our best players last year. What's, yeah, you know, and, he, and then we brought in so many players. And I was thinking, how, how can this team gel that quickly to do, to do what they've done? Yeah. You know, and, um, it, and, and that, you know, with, with, with AD and, and, and with Mark, you just see them, you know, I, I get to go down to the training going quite you know, more often than most people. And, you know, and you just see the, the intensity, the enjoyment, the commitment that the players are doing. The buying that they all have. This is how we're going to play. It's instilled that that game, the way we play our game of football, no matter what, whether we make mistakes, is irrelevant. We they've said that we have a game plan and this is it, and it's playing football from the back, you know. And if you don't buy into that, you you won't be in the team. And I just think, I just think it's worked so well. And I, I yeah. never thought that a team could could play their way out of um, uh, league, league League One, yeah, League yeah. Two, and League One. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and more so this year, yeah. and you just, you just, you just see the way we played. And I, I haven't been to any of the away games. I've been to all of the home games. Sure. Um, and I just love the the, the 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 energy, the way the you know the, the atmosphere has been around there. The, the confidence, the way players want the ball. Yeah. Um, the successes on there. The young players that have been brought in, you know, here and there to to complement. You look at our five midfield players, of which three would only play. Be selected each week, you know, yeah. from Christmas. It was just, you know, any 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 three of those. You were thinking, oh well, he should be starting. He should be starting. Whether it was Zane, whether it was Shippers, whether it was Walshie, yeah. Callum O'Hare. You just knew that they could. They all offered something slightly different, but it just made us tick. And there was an energy. There's been an energy in the team from day one. And any know, rotation and, uh, just fitted, didn't it? It didn't matter who came no. into that middle section. You wasn't really concerned that. Because they no. all just slotted into it perfectly, and yeah. you made a really good point there about playing yourself out of division. Because for me, one one of the is and Wickham looked like they potentially may well, um, you know, possibly get promoted anyway. But when we played Wickham away from home, it just was definitely that day. It was football against sort of hoofball a little bit. And yeah. and look, there's different ways to get out of divisions, and and I'm sure. Many managers will say that, and you'll know that from a from a manager point of view. But it's just how you said that about playing out of division and how hard it is, and on the pitches that you come up against and, and, and stuff. But that that takes a buy-in from that takes a buy-in yeah. from the manager, and you have to buy into what he's trying to do, and if, and you have to accept that we are going to concede goals through playing in the wrong areas or being caught out or a stray pass. But if you can give your players the confidence to make those mistakes, knowing that that's not you dropped for the next game or, you know, I just think that's a great um, confidence from the players they would get from, from, from Mark. And, um, you know, I, I did would, I did worry uh, at the start where our goals mm. were going to come from. I mean, you know, you know bringing Matty, Matty in um, was great, but he, he didn't have the best start. It seemed to, you know, after his injury in November time, it's when he came back scoring his double hat-trick there. It seemed to kick him on more than more than anything. And, you know, there were some games where I think when Geordie was starting early on, you know, he missed some key one-on-one chances. And, you know, you just think, if anything, we were missing that 
that sort of forward that was going to mm. score us 20, 20 goals a season, you know, yeah. and, um, but, you know, um, you know, Matty, Matty came, came, came good after a while and then the goals come in from, from everywhere, which is even better when, they, when they're sharing the goals amongst them. Yeah. No, Matt, Matty Godden was a crucial signing and he scored big goals in big games, didn't he? Yeah. I think that those goals, especially, you know, I think I remember Portsmouth at home, Sunderland at home, I think the draw as well, I think against uh, Rotherham, was it as well? Yeah. Scored yeah. very big, big goals, weren't they? Yeah. And that, that's what you want. Crucial. I mean, when you're cruising in games and you're three, and we were, and to be honest, we haven't, there's not, not many games where we've won convincingly three, four, no. or five. We, we've seen to play really good football, create loads of chances, but there's only been an odd goal. And I think, I think was it was it Bolton that um, yeah, maybe, maybe caught yeah, us out? I've never, yeah, I've never seen did. such a one sided game. Yeah, then, I know. Yeah. You know, they Trap, just went down yeah, the, yeah, the left and scored, and then we were. You know, we, we came back. I think we got. Did we? We, we did. Yeah, Beer moves yours, yeah. Yeah, right at the, right at the yeah, death. At the and, death. And, yeah. and that's you know, and that was that was typical of us. We just weren't killing sides off in no. a lot of games. But never so. looked never looked in danger really. I know we conceded, like you say, against Bolton, but we never really always looked in danger. We always looked in control. But yeah. like you say, we didn't kill teams off um, at, at times. No, was, uh, and, and it's, I just I just think so. You, you carry on that theme of of that feel-good factor about the football club. Forget everything yeah. else. The football players, the management structure, are then winning games for the last three years, going to Wembley twice, getting the promotions. It's, it's just brought that, that people are forgetting about what was going on, is going on before or was going on before or whatever it is. It's just they enjoyed the football and the players. You know, we were taking players around schools and the kids were remembering who they were. It was, mm-hmm. you know, whereas, you know, you go back to the Northampton playing their time it was, yeah. it was a real sad time and yeah and, and we we were an ever present then because we were the only we were we were still going around Coventry but Coventry City weren't playing there and it's yeah that was part of our job to make sure we weren't losing a generation of, of Sky Blue fans you know and it's but I just think the last what he's done obviously on the pitch speaks for itself but off the pitch the way that the the, 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 the community the city of Coventry have sort of come together through football has been absolutely fantastic and you see that very first hand, Dave, don't you? Obviously, we're working in the community. You can, I bet you can see the massive difference, like you said, regarding obviously the time when we played away at Northampton. I know we're not playing in Coventry this last season, but yeah. just the, the way Robbins has almost knitted the fans and the community together has just been massive, hasn't it? Yeah, and obviously they, they need the, the they need the buying. They need to see what they're doing. They mm. need the the I won't say. Well, you need the resources, obviously. You, you know, budgets are one thing, and you know, we, you know, we we don't know exactly what our budgets are, or anything, because they're never going to come out and say, oh yeah, we've got this no. budget and it's the best budget and all things like that. It's what you do with your, what you get for your 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 book, what you pay for, and mm-hmm. I think some of the signings and the loan signings in particular have been absolutely instrumental in, in us getting out of this 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 league this year. And you you're thinking, of, you know, players like Callum O'Hare. You know, and you know, you know, Walshy, and, and you just think, God, where, where, where's I've, I've not heard of these players before. It, it took me about a month to thinking, well, is that is that is that is that, is that Walsh? Is that is that Kelly? Is that, yeah, is you know, I, I was like, I was, I was dreading seeing the players because I didn't know anyone, I didn't know the names. Yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and you're thinking, it's it's that it's that whole scouting, it's all yeah. that whole recruitment process, which is you know, Mark's got a great team together, and. Mm. 
you know, it's the, it's the off the pitch before you got to get the off the pitch right before you get on the pitch. Of course, you know, and it's I just think they've, they've done that so well and um, seamlessly, and it's been it's just been I, I've I've enjoyed like I said to you right at the start of this. I'm not a great football watcher. Yeah, but I I have sat you know I always I always watch the games with um, oh God, uh, uh, the kit man. Yeah, Chris uh, Marshy. 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 Yeah, we had, yeah, we had him on last two two weeks ago. Yeah, oh, he's, oh, he's, I mean, I've known Marshy from his uh, when he was at his Warsaw days, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. we were obviously we were in the same leagues and then that. But I, I've known him for, for many years. So when he came back as kit man, he's exactly what you want as kit man. He's, yeah, he's absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and uh, so we watch all the games just behind the dugout, and uh, you know, and I've just got a real appetite and enjoyment for watching the, the game again. It's uh, it's sort of restored. You know, a little bit of uh, faith in 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 the, in in the way we play and the way we put on a not I wouldn't say a show, but just the way we go about our, our plan that's been put into place and and the way the season's ended. I don't care what anyone says. We were we were seven points clear of the third place, and no matter what was going on, we were we were the best hands, yeah. team in that league yeah. at that time, and we fully deserved to go. And the fact that. You know the bigger clubs were sort of moaning a little bit, and well, no, you, 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 it, it's your points. It's over the yeah, season or however many yeah. games. It's and it doesn't matter whether you were on a run at the time or, or you know, you, you got to, it's a whole season long to get your points on the board, and we did that early, which is why we, you know, deserve champions. And, and talking about that next next season, just just to move quickly on to that, how do you think the Sky Blues will sort of fare next season? And obviously, it's going to be a tough job, but do you think they can stay up? Of course, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm not expecting to um, go in and, and, and get automatic promotion to the Premier League, but um, I just think the way that Mark goes about his his football um recruitment he'll have already, already been planning for for what's what next year is going to look like he would have already have known his league the, what the league's like from his time at you know Rotherham and Huddersfield I think they were both in the championship when he was at those clubs yeah um and I, th- I think the way he wants to play football he knows it can work he's just got to get the the, the players in to do that and, and and don't forget the championship is is, is one of the toughest leagues in the world isn't it outside yeah, of the premiership yeah. because you know, I've just I'm listening to some of the results today, and I think Middlesbrough just yeah. um, had a good win. And, and I was thinking, God, you know, if they're in the bottom three, a club, you know, like Middlesbrough, you know, yeah. these are all clubs. There's so many clubs that have previously been in the Premier League exactly. since it started. It's yeah. it's, it's scary. So, uh, um, but, but you know, I'm, I'm confident that will the, the style of football that we play and the players that he will bring in. And again, it will be much. You know, do do we keep all the players? That we've had this year, we know the loan players. People are going to, you know, if a club, if a club does, if a team does really well and wins the league, people are going to be looking at your players. So you've got to start that whole recruitment place again, you know, because you've got to adapt to the new. We're going to, there'll be a few players going. I, I, I don't, I expect, which is the same with any team going. You're going to make sacrifices um, because you've got to adapt to the new new level of football. And some players that we've got are are, are League One players. There's no getting away from it. That's your that's your standard. You know, some can step up. Um, you know, but you've got to you've got to get that blending of who you bring in. Your loan players are key, and I think that's something that Mark is really good at. You know, mm. I th- I just think the way he'll get us playing football, and the players that hopefully that will attract now. And you know, you look at the last couple of that we've signed in the last sort of week or so. And again, we've not seen them in the English game. They're going to have to 
given time to adapt. Of course. You know, it's, uh, but, you know, it, I think it just shows the club, you know, what they're looking at there. It's, you know, we've always been a club that happens over the last few years. It was about how it, the loan system was our biggest signings. Yeah. You know, you know and, and it shouldn't be it's that way. Loan, content, yeah, isn't loan signings are good, but you need a little bit of investment into the team as well to get players yeah. settled and they want that security. And it's, it, you know, it's always a gamble with a loan player, are they? What's their reasons for the loan? Is it a young player learning their game? Is it a player who's not fallen out with the club he's with and you know just wants to yeah. finish his career? It, 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 you know what I mean? And, and yeah. All sorts. yeah, yeah. You know, it is hard to understand what it means playing for Coventry City. You know, and um, you know, yeah, just going no, through the mo- just going through the motions. You know, we don't want that sort of player. We want someone that's going to buy into it, prove a point, improve the team, and uh, you know, build. So, uh, so. In answer to your question, in a long-winded way, um, I, I think it's I've I've been looking at least sort of mid-table mediocrity in in the in, in the first year, but 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 building as we go along, yeah. and I think that's what Mark's buying into. I think the you know the current um, the current owners have, have had that goal of getting back to the Premiership, and uh, you know over the last couple of years, you can we're, we're well on our path to, to to going back that way, and that's not you know. Overegging everything, it's um, it's going to take. It, it could take. Yeah, yeah you got you got to have your you got to have your goal at the end of the day. Your goal is to get back. Into the um, and we're in the championship now, so let's let's have a, a season of you know. And, and what you see now, you look at Sheffield United's of the of, of this one. You look at Leicester City. Yeah. You look at yeah. Norwich City. You know they've all gone bump, bump, bump. You know, over, so it's we're not saying it can't be done. No. And money doesn't buy you everything. But I think it's that under, that planning, that recruitment, and I think we've got the best, the best that that best team in place at the moment to to do that. David, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on the show. I mean, especially talking what a roller coaster ride, really. Sort of hearing about your Skyview story from your playing days, um, but then the contribution that you've made and the terrific work that you and the team do. Um, with the Sky Blues in the community. So we just want to say a massive thank you for coming on. Oh, no, thanks for inviting me. It was, uh, it was, it, it's, it's been great. I, lo- I, love, I love things like this. And if, if any way I can help, then you just know where I am. So, uh, Brilliant. And, and, and actually, funny you should say if there's any way that can help, because surely you know our listeners will be hearing out there. And is there any way that they can help and get involved in Sky Blues in the community? And is, is there anywhere that they can, yeah, is there any way that they can help at all? Um, yeah, anyone who wants to, um, all, we, you can search community on the club's website. Um, if, you, if you put Sky Blues into Coventry City's website, it will come up with all um, sort of case studies and stories about what we do and, and things like that. We, it depends what, what aspect, so if it's, whether it's a volunteering thing they want to do, if they want to find out about the programmes and the projects they, they run. Mm-hmm. Um, they can, we've got Sky Blues in the community. I've got. Um, I can give you that email address. It's it's just simple. Sbitc at sbitc.org.uk. Um, mm. That's our thing. And you know, we'll, if anyone wants to ask what we do or you know have a chat with various people that work with us, then we'll tell them what they do if they want to help in other ways. Um, then we can find out what they need. And uh, you know, we're, we're about putting pathways in places for people to go like I talked about their journey so if someone's coming and they know someone who wants to do walking football we can go there 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 to know someone who's suffering a little bit with mental health that they might benefit what are the programs we're doing is it um, we run we run a program a running program for, for women 
you know, in the parks and in around Coventry. You know, when's the next one starting there to get, you know, part of the couch to couch to 5K and this, yeah, this yeah. girl can campaign. So we, we've, we've got so many projects. It, the best <laughs> just to put in, you know, make inquiry through the SBITC about, you know, more, more specific about what they're looking for and then we can put them in direct, put them in a sort of sense, put them in a, give them the direction which they need to go in. Brilliant. And yeah, listeners do check out um, Boosty and the team's Sky Blues in the community. Uh, and also don't forget to subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel for exclusive content. And as always, you can always join in the conversation on our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram pages. All you need to do is use the hashtag Sky Blues Extra Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra Podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.